Running Sentences presents Bumbling Humbling Nights, Part 4, The Town, with some idea of the reasoning as to why the princess might be in the hands of the witches, Marcus and company set out to find the hidden witchy town. This is a work of fiction. Any names, characters, businesses, events, and incidences within the story are products of the author's imagination. And any resemblance to real people, which is very far-fetched, but maybe, and any real incidences or similarities to other stories is of pure coincidence. Copyright 2021. Michael Honore. All rights reserved. Back in Princess Rum's library, she snapped her book shut once again with a wave of her hand, and it went upwards back to the fourth floor of the library. It is late, and going into the woods at this time of night is only asking to get lost. Well, I suppose your group can stay the night in the barn, except for Cassie and Henrietta. We need to have a chat. Marcus backed his way out of the room in a hurry, not wishing to wind up on the end of a magic pointy stick from any of the witches in front of him. He stepped out into the hallway and heard what sounded like a somewhat close yet distant thump. It was followed by a few other thumps, and the best he could tell, there was magic being thrown about in this library, and probably at the three women. The troll and Henry both looked concerned as Marcus held the door handle shut, just to make sure that it didn't come flying open and cause any magic to escape and hit them. Uh, did we learn anything, sir? Yes. Politicians rule the day. The Rock Kingdom wishes to stop a marriage, or, well, potentially one, that connects them and the witches together. Maybe. We don't know. It might be the cause, it might not be. But we will have to wait until morning to find out if we can head in that direction. For now, though, we need to find a barn. A barn? Marcus shrugged and led them out of the hallway. He'd brought them out into the garden, searching for this mysterious barn that he'd been told to find, or directed towards. He wasn't sure, and he'd hoped, like many magical things, it would just suddenly jump out in front of him. Alas, he went up and down the rows of the garden, with the troll and Henry following him like lost puppies, with nothing to show for any of his efforts. They were to be rescued by an exhausted-looking Cassia, who came out the back door. What are you... what are you doing? Finding a barn that I was told to find. By the way, your shirt is torn. She looked down and realized that she did indeed have a large horizontal cut on the midsection of her shirt. She blushed and grabbed her shirt, covering the rip. <sighs> Princess Rum considers the bedrooms to be barns. Come inside already. She was already back inside, although she slammed the door shut as they approached it, and Marcus could only ruefully grin as he opened it up again. She was certainly very embarrassed by some things. And after a short meal, courtesy of Princess Rum, a lot of them found themselves upstairs in the attic, which was filled with hay. The troll quickly claimed a corner with Henry and Marcus taking the far side so they didn't have to smell the creature, who did have a bit of a rank odor to him. Henrietta and Cassia were fortunate enough to not have to be staying up there with them and waved goodbye because they were lucky and Rum probably liked them somewhat. 
Marcus could only settle in, into the barn of a loft bedroom or whatever one wanted to call it. And it was mostly, it was just hay everywhere. And soon everyone was asleep. And so he sat up. His mind was not turning off as he tried to figure out the whole situation. While it made sense in some sense that one side did not want this supposed marriage to happen, why were the witches so eager for it to happen? Would it really get them recognition? Probably not. And aside from connecting the kingdoms, it felt like a ploy to distract from bigger matters. The thing stank, and worse than the troll, who he could easily smell across the room. With a sigh, he laid back down to stare at the pitched roof. It was no use thinking it over. There was no answer going to come from this, even if he could rack his mind through a million years of research. And so he closed his eyes and hoped that sleep would overcome him. The lot stumbled from their sleeping spots the next morning, managing to get through the motions of an early exhausted morning, whereupon Rum kicked them out of the house and pointed off in a towards a vague direction. Head into the woods that way. When you meet the two rocks, take a sharp right, then a sharp left once you pass them. Continue on until the stream comes into view, then knock on a tree three times. That will get you there in one piece. I shall join you when I can. She then slammed the door shut in their faces after that, and so the group tiredly turned about and began to walk in the direction that they were vaguely pointed towards. The woods had grown thicker and thicker the deeper they'd gone into it. What had been passable was becoming more difficult to traverse with all of their gear and equipment that they had with them. No matter where Marcus looked, only trees were coming into view, and the trees appeared to be getting closer to one another the deeper they went. Ignore what you see, Marcus. It's like the town and Rum's home. We think it is there, but it isn't there, and we see what we think we want to see. Marcus blinked and shook his head and then blinked again. The trees oddly seemed further apart now, and he swore he could see what looked like a grayish stone off in the distance. Unconsciously, he raised his hand and pointed towards it, which stopped Cassia. You can see the stone. Impressive, since it is still a ways away. Henrietta, you're still lead. Head on out. Aye, boss lady. The rocks came clearer into view after a while, and went from small-looking things to massive-looking boulders. They got pretty close to them before taking that sharp right, and then wandering on towards where Henrietta was leading them. It took a little while for her to take a sharp left, but she did, and they were once again heading deeper into the woods, with the trees now making no sense, being all over the place and nowhere at the same time, and some of them were actually growing sideways off of one another. The left turn took them a hundred or so yards, before it suddenly became very clear in front of them. There were no more trees, for as far as their eyes could see, and in this grassland stretched out in front of them. Henrietta began knocking on a tree, which only slightly registered in Marcus's mind as he blinked at the sight. Now, in front of him, was a hustling, bustling, old little thatched roof village. Although, it was a bit bigger than a little village, but it was too small to be a town, or maybe it was a town. And then there was magic, so there was probably more to this town than he could see. And the place felt, to use the term loosely, and because it was the only one coming to his mind, very witchy to look at. 
Now our only problem is getting past the guards who probably are on high alert. Maybe they won't be. They don't expect a knight in witches. If they're smart, Henrietta, they'll already know we are here. The two women had unconsciously already begun walking towards this little town, city, village, thing, place that Marcus was sure was actually much bigger than it appeared now, since there was this vast ocean of grasslands in front of them. And, well, that only said that there was hidden stuff to him. And feeling left behind, Marcus and friends hurried after the two. The witchy woods town gate came upon them just as suddenly as the town had appeared. The gate that led into town was more of a wicker doorway thing over the road, with four witches standing guard under it. It didn't take too much to figure out that they were there to stop any intruders, and as Cassia had pointed out, probably there for them, specifically. Still, the group marched straight towards them, only to suddenly freeze. Halt, trespassers! This place isn't for the likes of interlopers. Yes, well, I, I understand that, but I have to ask to be let in anyway. There is a princess within the city that has been taken, and I need to help her. We, the witch knights, cannot let this be. I'd, I'd figured you'd say that, so who do I have to talk to? I need to get into the city to stop a bad situation from potentially getting worse, and you're just in the way. No one will talk to you. It has been written in our historical site into the future document that no one shall enter once a prince comes forward. One of the witches behind this witch snapped her fingers, and the tome of a book appeared. It opened, and they began to chant. The prince has come, we will forever be saved from torture and faint praise. A knight might come to save the day. The chanting faded as the three other witches looked at one another. A knight might come to save the day? That doesn't sound right. The three witches gathered around the book to take a look at the words. The lead witch, who kept casting glances backwards at them. Well, what does it say? It can't have said which is, uh, a knight will come to save the day. We don't have a knight in front of us. That a knight will come to save the day, and the man in front of us is a knight, is he not? Oh, for heaven's sake. She glared at Marcus's little group, and then, with a snap of her fingers, made them vanish. In a flash, they found themselves dumped a foot in the air in a room, not being transported onto solid ground, the lot promptly fell, and none of them was prepared for all of this, so it came more as a splat as their legs gave way when they tried to land on them. The floor was hard and made of dirt, which made for a rather uncomfortable landing that none stuck. Marcus was taking in the place in his sitting position after having fallen, and it was a room that was brown, had wooden-looking walls, and two windows which had bars over them to block any escape. And finally, a door, which was no doubt locked from the other side. Well, that could have gone much better. Well, hopefully we're inside the city, though. Just have to figure out how to get out of here now and to somebody important. 
Cassia nodded as the whole lot of them slowly began to get up to further examine their new surroundings. There wasn't much to look at, so they all sort of found themselves standing around, waiting for the door to be thrown open. In some grand fashion, Marcus began to fear that this would never happen if they continued to stare at it. But with a creak, it slowly opened to reveal a little old lady hunched over herself. There is a knight in here, the one spoken of in the book. Uh, yes, or maybe I am a knight, but I can't speak if I'm the one in your book. Yes, well, good enough for our purposes. Come with me, mister. The rest of you, stay here. Marcus hurried out of the room following this old lady. He found himself out in the hallway, a short one, that came to abrupt end before it could even really begin, though the difference between calling it a room or a hallway briefly fought for space in front of his mind, and then he figured he had more important things to worry about, like where he was being led, and like following this lady towards this door. The lady came to a stop in the next room, a grand hallway filled with many artifacts, which Marcus could only guess were witchy in nature. He stepped forward to examine the room and could just barely make out there was something on the far end of it. Wayways. You are to go visit the head of the witches, follow this grand hallway, and you will be upon the witch who leads us. What is your name, by the way? Sir Knight? Um, I'm Marcus of the Bumbling Knights. She cocked an eyebrow at him, seemingly disapprovingly of his name or something. Is there a problem? No, but you have a terrible name for a knight. Terrible? It's my name. How can my name be terrible? Please enlighten me. It's got no oomph to it. Doesn't sound like the name of a knight or like a name you'd want to come hurrying over to the hill to rescue you. But it is what it is. Sorry, it was just my given name. She waved her hand to silence him. To the witch who controls the city, I introduce a hero from the book. A Marcus of the Bumbling Knights. Her voice was surprisingly loud and carried down this grand hall. She then turned to him. You'd better get a move on. She doesn't like to be kept waiting. He did as he was told, though wondering why these witches didn't just magic him to where they wanted him. It would have made matters much easier, but this was their choices, so he walked the distance, looking at these special artifacts that lined the Grand Hall. There were books, probably spell books, and brooms and pointy hats and even a few wands, that all had a very, which all seemed very seemingly obvious, and not in the least bit right. It was all too expected, too upfront for his taste. Like, this is what the witches wanted him to see, that they had these magic items. And, well, maybe they were just props to keep everybody thinking, ooh, special magic. His journey pressed on as the sight of the throne at the end of this grand hallway came into view. He came to a stop in front of this empty throne at the very end of this hallway. It was odd. There was supposed to be someone here, wasn't there? Had that little old lady been shouting at nothing down here? Or was this some kind of witch ritual? 
where the floor dropped away and then he suddenly found himself where he was boiled alive for a magic spell or something? He didn't know, and the more he thought about all of this, the less he wanted to think about all of this. He walked up to the throne itself, a plain chair made of copper with things carved into it that looked a bit like spells or elements that one might use in a spell. He couldn't tell, and he knew he was far too out of his element to know what any of it was. And anyway, he could feel a cold, hard stare coming from his left, so he glanced over that way. A woman, adorned in a headdress of gold rope that wrapped its way around a pointy hat, stood there with her hands on her hips. Excuse me, what are you doing, sir? Looking for the person I'm supposed to come talk to. I might be the knight written about in the book of uh, witches or that have for telling the future or something to that effect. Oh, well that's interesting, I guess. I didn't hear anything about that. Uh, you are the leader of the witches, right? She nodded and shooed him away from her throne as she came over to sit down once again. And she leaned onto her elbow and stared at him. Who sent you to me? Keep explaining. Uh, the witches at the city's entrance dropped me into a prison with my friends on the other side of the Grand Hallway, or whatever it is. Then an old lady came and fetched me and said I should see you. And how, sir, did you find your way to our fair city? I was guided by some witches who were worried that something bad was about to unfold, uh, Miss Queen's person? Miss, uh, Queen of the Witches, um. And who would those be? And what would that big issue be? Um, well, it was a marriage between a prince claiming the throne of the witch's town and a princess from the Rock Kingdom, or the, yeah, that was that, what I was going off of. That old haggard story? It isn't true. None of it is true. You can go home and never return here with such silly stories. Um, yes, but the, the, there was a princess kidnapped, and she was brought to the witch's village. And I would rather return with this princess from Rock if I could. I don't get paid if I come back empty-handed. She seemed to think about this, looking towards the ceiling for help with her decision. And Marcus glanced upwards as well, just in case, to see if anything, and was mostly acting out of instinct. Because, well, there is nothing really up there. Fine. You have 24 hours to find this person in this city if they are here, which I doubt. I know all that goes on here. She waved her hand and the flash of imagery passed by and then was gone. Marcus nodded, though he wasn't so sure about that last part. He held his tongue from saying anything like, well, you didn't know about me, so not so sure about that. And he waited for a second more as she waved her hand again. This time a face of a clock appearing near Marcus, and it began ticking. Now, I want to meet those that you led here. Show me the way. They walked back to this prison storage room, where his friends were still wandering about inside. The queen, or princess, or leader of the witches, had yet to give her name and strolled in, trying to project an air of self-importance. 
When she noticed Henrietta and Cassia, she pointed towards them. Why did you two help this knight? To see why a princess had been kidnapped by witches. I did it because my dad asked me to help. Plus, it seemed like fun. Still is fun, but you know, prison's not that great. There is one other who isn't here that I suspect has helped you. Ah, uh, yes, it's uh, Princess Rum, your highness. As usual, she's late in doing her own thing. The queen nodded to Cassia and then turned to point towards the clock that was now following Marcus around. By my decree, I've given you 24 hours to find this princess that is supposed to be within the city. I doubt it, but I will give you time. Be quick or else you'll get kicked out and have nothing to show for it and be broke and poor and just not welcome here. Then she snapped her fingers. They once again found themselves unceremoniously transported through the air to the outside. They floated in the air five feet off of the ground this time, and came tumbling down into a gravel driveway. The landing was uncomfortable, but none of them just sat around this time, as they helped one another get up and head down the driveway of the castle estate that the witch leader called home. Marcus noted it all in his mind, as they passed green grassy fields that led to this place. He had a feeling he would be back here sooner rather than later, and he needed to know stuff about this place. The run across the grounds had left them exhausted as they reached the road to the proper part of the town or city or little village, whatever this magical place was. The late afternoon sun made it warm in an uncomfortable way as they stared at the busyness of the road in front of them. Up and down people went, in all sorts of outfits, along with carts and floating goods. All of them appeared to be women, which struck Marcus as odd as men worked in magic as well, though he'd been warned and was just now remembering that fact when nudged by Cassia. No daydreaming or thinking about these witches. Um, sorry, I'm in your hands. Do you have any plans for how we might track down this princess? Yes, but it might get dangerous. I don't know how some people might act upon my reappearance here. He opened his mouth to say something that he would protect her, but a floating box swung inches away from his head, so he stopped himself and nodded. He probably could not protect her here, or, well, protect her at all, because she was good at protecting herself. Lead on, Miss Witch. The group gathered themselves and made ready to jump into the constant stream of people a task which took a few minutes until a break allowed them to go in all at once. Swept up in this masses, they went through the roads of the town without much choice in the matter. The crowd decided where and when it wanted to go and kept them moving along with it. It took a while for Cassia to get them out of the mess of people and onto a side road. There on this road, she counted it all to make sure that they'd all gotten off at the same point before turning and heading down this road. She seemed to be wasting no time at all, telling them what was going on, and instead it seemed like she knew what to do and where to go and would hopefully explain things at some point. But for now, they remained in the dark as she stopped at a dirty door on her right. She looked back at them and gave a curt nod, before knocking on this door for a few seconds. This, to their surprise, caused the ground to open up under them and drop them below.
This fall was broken up by piles and piles of hay, and thankfully loose hay, and not packed into bales, which would have hurt, and it broke their fall nicely, and the group attempted to get up, but found they were swimming in this hay, and the process took a while, as it felt like they'd as the hay was trying to swallow them whole. Marcus did his best to keep Henry and the troll above the top of the hay, so that they didn't drown in it, and his efforts were paying off as they approached a door which Cassia opened with some effort and sent a lot of them spilling out along with some of this hay that had been stored in this place. They slipped into an office of sorts, filled with cabinets and a single desk. At that desk sat a woman looking through some paperwork and who looked horrified that the door had been opened and that there was now hay on her ground. What are you doing? Do you know how long it took me to get that hay swept up? We make fine brooms here and we can't have our supply in the wrong type of air. Get up and begin sweeping this mess at once. Slowly, as the group got to their feet, they began to brush the hay that had stuck to them, off of them. It was at this point that the lady at the desk noted Cassia and gasped, and then ran out of the room via another door. Cassia seemed to have not noticed any of this, as she turned to face the hay. Henrietta, if you don't mind helping me, the rest of you, please brace yourselves. Henrietta nodded, and they began moving their hands about until a heavy wind swept through the room and included a few papers rushing towards the room filled with hay. Soon, all of this was gone, minus a few strands of hay here and there, which were duly picked up by both Henry and the troll, who took them with great glee as they tossed them back into the room that they'd come out of. This woman had managed to creep back into the room and waited for them to turn around to see her before giving a slight bow. Marcus was confused. First they were being yelled at, now they were being treated with courtesy. What was going on here? Forgive me for my anger, Miss Cassia. I did not know it was you. The lady in waiting has strict orders that if you are to show up, to take you to her at once. If you will follow me. While still bowing and curtsying, or doing a bit of both at the same time, this woman backed out of the door that she'd come back through. They came into a room that was busy and humming with activity. Marcus instantly realized that this place was building brooms. Lots and lots of brooms. Probably magical ones, and probably also illegal ones. But nonetheless, they were, in fact, brooms. The site stretched out a bit before them, with what looked to be hundreds of workers busily assembling the items into workable brooms, or things. They, however, got to see little of this, as they were rushed down a corridor of workstations from one side of this factory space towards the other, and into another office they went, with more than enough filing cabinets in here as well. But they were stopped here by the woman who had first greeted them, and she put up her hand. Please wait a second. I'll see if the lady-in-waiting will see you right away. Then she hurried off towards the door on the right, which, when opened, out came some smoke. Marcus picked up the smell of tobacco easily as it stank its way across to them. 
I already told you to let her in. There's no reason to make Cassia wait to see me. The voice boomed out of the door, and even Cassia flinched at the sound of this. This made Marcus wonder if she was not all that eager to go see this person, yet apparently she had to go see this person. However, Cassia quickly took a deep breath and stood up straight as she went for the open door. The smoke swirled around the dark room that had but one light, and it was a candle besides this lady. There was also a small glowing ember of a spark coming from a supposed cigarette or maybe a pipe of some sort. It was hard to tell when they got in and Marcus decided to not rule out that this lady was burning some sort of strange incense. Could it be, or maybe it wasn't. Ah, mein fiend. It is good to see you again, Cassia. No matter how many times I have told you you've cost me business and once a factory. No, I am glad to see you. Glad. We get to catch up. And you've brought friends and a nice-looking troll. I have gainful employment if you're seeking that, by the way. But you aren't, are you? I don't know if I want to know why you're glad I'm here or if catching up is a good idea. You are right, though, Miss Lady Smoke. I'm not here for a job, but information. The woman emerged from darkness, waving about the ember of a cigarette on a stick. She wore a long white dress and seemed to have an ageless look about her. She strolled right up to Cassia and gently, with one of her fingers, drew it up from Cassia's throat towards her chin. Of course you would. What about the kidnapped princess and the promised peace treaty that our queen claims to know nothing about, apparently, according to Marcus? The mood seemed to darken when this lady heard Cassia. She dropped all pretenses of niceties and glowered. That old story, best forgotten and never thought of. Um, yeah, but it is alive and well, um, Miss Lady of uh, in waiting. Um, a princess was kidnapped by witches, or supposedly by witches, or people claiming to be witches, with demands for money, and supposedly took this princess here to this town. Potentially, she might be in the woods nearby. We don't know. Well, that is an odd effort to get money, and will not unite two hated parties together, like the original proposal that the treaty entailed. It's just an effort to get money, I suppose. And not really here, to, and I don't think they're really trying to unite two hated parties together. Is it? If these kidnappers don't get money, who are they going to turn to? They seem to know that money is out there for the right people, whether it's from the witches, or from the Kingdom of Rock, or some bystander who has to go rescue a princess. And it might be the party who restarted this whole situation by using the story as a backdrop, I don't know. And either way, doesn't it put your little fiefdom down here at risk? The lady-in-waiting did her best to calm her face down from showing emotions, but her lip still curled. That might not be a problem for me, but I will do the nice things for Cassia, since she will owe me in the end. Yes, I like that. I shall go find things. You lot stay here, relax, and sleep. And upon pronouncing that, the lady stormed her way towards the door, with the woman who'd brought them in 
rushing ahead to make sure that nothing got in the way of the lady in waiting. The group watched her leave, and then stood around looking at this dark space. Um, Cassia, who is, was that? And, um, what was her name? Ah, she is the lady in waiting, or Lady Smoke. She is the connective thread that keeps witches supplied through underground means. Looking at the factory out there, I can sure we can assume that her latest plans seem to have something to do with brooms. A sturdy broom, always on hand, even in tough situations. They looked over at Henrietta, who was pumping her fist. That's at least the marketing jingle I've heard. <sighs> with a sigh, Marcus could only shake his head. He could kind of see Henrietta in this darkness, and could tell that it was her voice. But, you know, it was just sort of murky darkness in this area, aside from the light on the desk. And if I can remember correctly, the witches also have a decipher magically sewn under it. These brooms are sold all over the land, so that should a witch get in trouble, she always has an escape. Always a plan or a way to make money with Lady Smoke. She is always up to something. In the meanwhile, though, we might as well rest. Sit down, lie down, or do whatever it is you want to do. We don't know when she will be back. With that, the group sort of settled into this darkness. Although Marcus, having been unable to settle down and just sit, waited until the rest had all decided to go to sleep. Although he wasn't entirely sure. He judged that by the fact that there was a little bit of snoring. That might be Henry or the troll, and the rest might still be awake for all he could tell. And he waited quite a while just to make sure that this had happened. Then, once he finally decided enough time had passed, he stole out of the room into the factory. There, the workers continued to work making brooms. While he wandered down the line, he saw no magic being cast on them at any point, and went up and down the line to see if there was magic happening here. Still nothing, and he was about to cross behind one of the production lines when he nearly ran into Lady Smoke and her cigarette holder. Is my office not good enough for you, sir? Oh, no, it is fine, but I just figured that the smell of magic isn't in the air, Miss Smoke, or Lady Smoke, should I say. It made me curious, and when I get curious, I can't sleep. So, are you hoodwinking witches with brooms that won't be able to help them, or are you really helping them? To this, she smiled, but it was a dark and serious-looking one that curled a bit around the sides of her mouth. It was apparent that she did not like the joyful things with the way her smile hung on her lips. She was not a person... One went around making idle accusations against, or really idle conversation for that matter, since Marcus felt like he should shut up. I see why Cassia has decided to use you to come back here. You have a nose for things. And apparently have been written into the future book, or whatever your witches are were branding about, telling us that we couldn't enter because it went against that book. Ha! And yet you're here. She seemed to be enjoying this greatly, as a real smile came to her face. They failed to read the book, apparently. And when a knight showed up to help save the day, they read it out and, well, I wound up here eventually. Well, well, 
Interesting. Did the book change in front of them? I know it can change in front of them. I'm just curious. I am not aware if it did or did not. I just know that they started reading it, and then they announced that the knight was here to save them. Pity. It would be good information to have. But since you have amused me, I shall show you some magic. She turned and headed off behind some production line of broom. He followed, unsure if he should really do this, since he was walking into a magic trap, obviously. She brought him into a room filled with a fizzy, burnt smell that was sticking to everything in this area. He could barely see anything among the smoke and flying brooms, and these brooms all seemed to be flying themselves towards stacks of stacks on the edge. It seemed like it would never calm down in here, even if it ever wanted to. It's well insulated in here, so no signs of magic can escape. Made sure of that with magic. It's fun, huh? I can't risk being detected when the upright witch's brigade comes knocking on my door. Are you satisfied now, Mr. Knight? Marcus nodded as he coughed to try and keep the smoke away from him and his throat. She nodded back and then moved them out of the room, which allowed him to breathe again. Once back out on the factory floor, Lady Smoke vanished on him again. She was there, and then she was gone. He looked about just to make sure that she wasn't hiding on him or that something was up. But no, she really went and disappeared, and since there was no more to see or explore, he found himself headed back towards the office. His walk was a short one as he entered Miss Smoke's office, but he did not get far into this place and instead, just inside, stepped to the side and he closed the door and then sank down beside it. The last thing he wanted was someone sneaking up on them, so he figured he'd stay by the door just in case. Find anything interesting out there? He jumped and then glanced over towards his side, barely able to see that Cassia was right beside him. A magic shop that makes Brooms fly, and despite the fact that we were stopped because of a book, a future book, no one seems to believe in that book or the story. Well, the guards do believe in it, and that's what matters when one's trying to get into town, unless they are somehow in on it all. But then they have to follow the book and do as it says. It's all very off. They fell silent and stayed that way, letting time tick by, and Marcus always keeping his hand on his hidden dagger just inside his shirt. Eventually, they were fetched by Lady Smoke's secretary, who guided them out of the building through a series of back hallways. They were then sent out the back door to a back road, where many carriages clatter were clattering along. In front of them stood an open-doored carriage, with the secretary pointing them towards it. Slowly, they all clambered aboard, eager to see where they were about to be taken to. Though the exterior of this carriage gave all the appearances of a rather nice carriage, the interior was another matter altogether. It was more like the back of a prison cart, filled with hay, two rows of seats on each side, and nothing was comfortable. This carriage had come to life, and they were soon being moved along at quite a pace. There was also a window to the outside world in this carriage that had small, thin, razor-sharp bars that one wouldn't see if they didn't look hard enough. 
Marcus had found himself beside it, as he was watching as a few unremarkable places passed them by. But then this carriage slowed and stopped for a second. He looked outside once again to see a burning stake prison with a rather large, menacing-looking steel-girded gate in the way. They were turning into this entranceway that was slowly coming open. The doors to the carriage were then opened, and out they exited to find themselves surrounded by Lady Smoke and some of her workers. The prison also didn't feel very friendly as their eyes peered at it from inside the walls that contained the prison. Lady Smoke had snapped her fingers to get their attention back to her, which worked, as they all looked. She looked tired and exasperated from working, her white dress no longer looking nearly as nice as it did last night. You wanted this princess? I have found her. I also fear you don't have time to hang around here. So please, come. We have a situation. The group went into the prison front door, a metal thing that clanged open upon them getting close to it. There, they found an area where security began to check them over. The troll was leading the way as the guards patted him down, and then went through the process with each person, getting it done before being allowed inside the prison itself. A guard led them away from this entranceway and security area to a long hallway that was dark, cold, and smelled of mildew, and was also lit by a few burning torches on the wall near doors. This guard took them slowly down this hallway, as the stone floor was slippery. Marcus had found that out with his, with his first step on it, slipping a few inches before he caught himself when he'd first entered. And so they went down this hallway, and eventually they came to a stop at a dinner section, where it seemed to be a lot, lot colder. This hallway had ended, and the guard stopped and was pointing down towards the darker end of the hallway. This is as far as I go. The control over magic by the guards here doesn't work on as well as it should from here on out. You'll need to go down this hallway to the fourth door. Be careful. If the torches go out, stop at once. They will come back in a second or two. The guard then rushed past them, leaving them all alone. Their slow, treading walk continued down this new hallway. Troll was in the lead still, and came to a stop suddenly as the torches all simultaneously flickered out. Everyone froze. Then they flickered back on. Marcus swore that he felt a cold hand brush past his neck, but didn't say anything. There was little point in adding fear to the group that already seemed to be on edge, as this was very creepy. The fourth door to this place turned out to be much further down than anyone had expected it to be, and it took quite a journey with a few pauses along the way as the torches kept going out. The door finally loomed into sight, and with a giant four on it, and there was two torches next to it that really illuminated it. Upon seeing it, they seemed to breathe quite a bit easier. Your princess should be in here, but I'm not sure you will like it. They were now at the door itself, and Lady Smoke waved her hand at the lock. It clicked open, and the door swung inward. Stepping into this place provided much-needed light, and they continually blinked to readjust their eyes from the dark to the bright. In front of them, as they could see, looked to be a living room, or a living space, with a nice fire. 
and comfortable seats with bookcases all about the place, and little treats and tea seemed to be on a nearby table. It was nice, though slightly pink in color, that seemed to dominate everything and the look of the place. Oh, I have guests! A frumpy-looking woman appeared from a doorway on their right and looked over the lot that had just entered this living space. She stared. They stared back. It was a mutual staring contest that Marcus wanted to end. Um, excuse me, are you Princess Laura of the Rock Kingdom? Why, yes I am. And are you a healthy and wealthy knight who has come to save me? Uh, yes, but not, but no to the wealthy part. I'm here on behalf of either the Black Knights of Rock or Castleworthy to bring you back home. Oh, that lot. Fine, I guess. I'm bored here, and they won't let me out to meet Prince Charming, the man who promised to marry me and take me away from this mess of my kingdom. Oh well, I guess he's isn't coming, though. Let me just go get my stuff. She disappeared back into the room that she'd come out of, and they all sat down to wait on comfy chairs. Marcus had begun to worry when more than half an hour had passed and this woman had not returned. He'd gotten up and paced about the, the living area, looking at Cassia to see if she had any solutions, but she seemed disinclined to do anything, and was just sitting comfortably. With nothing to do, he headed for the room that this Princess Laura had gone into. Here he found a bedroom that was more colorfully pink than the other room, to the point where it felt blinding, and Marcus put his hands up to offset the sight. And things took a few seconds for his eyes to adjust, but when he did, he noticed that the lady was not in the room. But rather, there was a pair of legs dangling from a window-like thing, and they were kicking as they were trying to get out. He went over towards them, but as he did, these legs vanished through to the other side. Then, Princess Laura popped back up, glaring at him. You looked up my skirt! I did not, and anyway, your skirt wasn't up to look under in the first place. Her hands came up, and she slammed this window shut, cutting off any further talk. She was then gone in a flash, as he hurried over to see a changing window going from see-through to opaque. He swore he saw someone pulling her away as it frosted over, and tried to open the window, but to find her gone. Shit. The ground rumbled and Cassia appeared in the doorway. Marcus was still concentrating on the window, which he pulled open to reveal was now a wall. What's going on? She ran away, likely with the person who claims to be the prince of the witches or something. Through the window? He nodded and then stepped to the side, figuring she was about to do something. She, of course, did, waving her hand to shut the window and then further waving it. This window then returned to being see-through, and she came over to open it. The entire group had come to the bedroom and then went through the window, though most were unsure of what was going on and why this was now necessary. Marcus was leading the way as they found themselves on a road that was outside of the prison, but still seemed to be in town of the witches. Their feet heavily carried them across the stone road, with the glimpses of two fleeing figures ahead of them, bringing them further into a chase of going after them. 
The chase felt like it ended just as quickly as it had started, all because of the two people, Princess Laura and her friend, had come to a dead end in a road. Marcus and his company came to a stop when they found the young man trying to wave his hand at a wall, but nothing was happening. Come on, Magic, I need you now! There was more hand wave and nothing happening. Cassia moved in close towards Marcus as the troll charged ahead, swinging his arms round and round to and fro, and headed straight for the man who was waving his hand. The noise and a screech of horror that the troll made caused the princess to turn to see them, and she fainted dead away. The man, however, turned and was hit by the troll at full speed, a clip of five miles an hour, but it was with fists flinging about, which did some damage. No stealing! The princess is ours! The man went down with the troll still swinging at him, and the group found themselves rushing forward to stop any further violence. Marcus went and grabbed the troll to stop him from doing much more harm, while Henrietta and Henry went over towards the princess. There you are, Eugene Christopher the Wild Magician. You've been causing problems. Cassia looked over at Lady Smoke, and then at the man who was still slightly pinned under the troll. Oh no, not that guy. Marcus, having successfully finally pulled the troll away from the man, found himself looking first at Lady Smoke and then to Cassia. They knew the man. This made things interesting yet odd, because, well, the stories didn't end everything. Like, they, they knew him, and yet everyone didn't know him. Is, is this the man who claims to be a prince who will marry and unite the two groups. Then, with a puff of smoke, the leader of the witches, Jeannie, appeared. She stood there, looking rather regal, in her long, flowing gown. I'm here to settle the matter of this story from the book. Have you found this princess and or prince? Everyone pointed towards Christopher, and then shifted their point towards the still unconscious Laura. Jeannie followed the pointing fingers and settled on a look at the sad sight of the man and the woman. Oh, bugger, this looks complicated. She then snapped her fingers and whisked them all away. End of part four. Thank you for listening.